A once fit bodybuilder now struggles to climb a flight of stairs after blood clots form in his lungs, neck, and armpits. Stay tuned and find out how he's helped himself recover from that and what he's doing now. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Good Dudes Grow 2.0. On the Good Dudes Grow 2.0, we're here to let you know the importance of plant-based medicine and psychedelics on mental and physical health. We're bringing you stories of how these medicines have changed lives and can save lives. We want to teach you the healing power of plant-based medicine. This is the Good Dudes Grow 2.0. All right, so like I said in the intro, this is going to be a very interesting story. Uh, It's, how can you say it? It's it's a tough background for a lot of people to actually hear, but it's actually a good story for a lot of people who are actually going through a lot of medical issues and and everything else. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Jeremy Smith. Jeremy, uh, thank you for coming on the show, taking time out of your day. Give us a little background on yourself first and and tell us how you basically found out you you ended up with Crohn's disease. Hey, no, well, thanks for having me on here. Uh, first of all, my uh, Crohn's disease has been around for over a decade. <laughs> um, I've gone to many doctors. I've been like, look, I'm having a lot of blood in my stools. I'm having more water in the toilet. Uh, sorry, more blood in the toilet than water. And I just kept getting, you're fine, go home. You're fine for over a decade. Um, I finally went, uh, when I started working at a hospital, started going to the doctors there, asking questions. Um, he was like, let's get you a colonoscopy done. Um, we got a colonoscopy done. Uh, it turned out I had Crohn's and eosinophilic esophagitis. Um, the way that they kind of dumbed it down for me is my Crohn's kind of worked northern instead of southern, and my esophagus also is kind of like Crohn's where it closes in. I can't swallow food, can't drink water properly. Um, so they do they do throat dilations every year. So they expand my esophagus so I can actually breathe. Um, Well, it helps me breathe, but so I can actually swallow food better. Um, So from there, my life changed. (laughs) So um, before then, I worked full-time at a hospital. I managed bar securities on the weekend. Um, I also did bodybuilding for almost the last 12 years. Um, I started off at 120 pounds, and I couldn't gain weight. So for almost 10 years, I could not gain weight. I tried everything. I tried the McDonald's diet even. <laughs> like I went to McDonald's, breakfast, lunch, dinner, before bed, couldn't put on a pound. Um, I started eating 8,000 to 10,000 cows a day. Um, I spent about four to $600 a month on supplements, um, trying everything I possibly could. Finally got up to about 240 pounds after 10 years. Um, I went to school for policing and I thought that was going to be my next gig. Um, and then when I started doing, um, the medication for my Crohn's and eosinophilic esophagitis, um, after about a week, I felt my hair burning. Like my head was on fire. My hair started falling out. Um, my arms started hurting. So I went back to the hospital and I was like, look, there's something wrong with me. Something's not right. I don't know what it is, but my arm hurts. Um, they thought I hurt myself at the gym. I've almost never hurt myself at the gym. (laughs) So they gave me a sling. I went home. Um, The next week, I'm like, I'm having difficulty breathing. And this just happened to be at the time of the start of COVID. Um, So the doctors just kept going, oh, you just don't want to wear a mask. You just don't want to wear a mask. Like, get out of here, right? (laughs) Um, And I was like, no, I brought, I wish I brought my duffel bag, but I have a duffel bag of my medicine. I was taking 50 some odd pills a day. Like, it was absolutely horrendous. Were were you taking... Sorry to cut you off. Were you taking all those medications prior as well, or did you 
when you were doing all the, the, the fitness stuff and everything else, were you still on those medications? So, so those medications started building up when you started getting more symptoms. That's correct. So uh, the only thing I ever was diagnosed with prior to this uh, was testosterone deficiency. So they said I, I'm equivalent to like a 60 year old woman on the testosterone <laughs> level. So I, uh, I started doing testosterone uh, therapy, but that was also for mental health. I started becoming very suicidal, um, very depressed. I was crying watching Family Guy, and I'm like, something's wrong. Like, this is, I'm like the big guy. Like, this is something's wrong. Um, I, I had a couple suicide attempts, um, and then I decided, no, I need to ask for help. And it turned out I don't produce testosterone. So prior to my health issues, that was the only medication I was on. Okay. So I, I did a lot of like creatine and alglutamine and right. BCA. It's just the typical gym rat. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, but from there, I started doing like prednisone and, and different Crohn's medications and, and so on. Um, then the third week, I was like, I can't even walk. Like my legs were hurting. My arm was swollen. Like it looked like a balloon on the inside. Um, when I wore a mask, I started foaming at the mouth. Uh, and I was like, something is really, really wrong. I went to uh, work. I punched in for work. And then <laughs> um, I went to emerge and I was like, something's wrong. Like, I cannot work like this. Something's wrong. He dismissed me. He goes, literally, you can leave here. He goes, nothing's wrong with you. Um, you're just the typical anti-masker, you know, get out of urgent care. Um, I called him an ignorant a-hole and I got the credit. So um, I went over to occupational health and I was like, something's wrong. I need you guys to take this serious. And she goes, no, you're turning green. She goes, something's wrong. I'm calling your boss. Um, as she called my boss, um, she was like, Jeremy, can you, you know, say like who you are? And I was like, no problem. So I was like, hello. And I raised my voice. So when I did that, your blood pressure raises, blood clot left my lungs, hit my heart. I collapsed. I ended up hitting my head. So I have herniated discs in my neck. Um, I ended up having um, side effects to the medications for that. So I was on medications for medications for side effects to medications. Um, I had inflammation in my brain because I was taking about uh, 14 opioids a day. Oof. I was on opioids, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, between you know meals as much as I could. Um, I started then losing my vision, my speech. Um, I looked like a, a, a raptor, or not a raptor, a T-Rex walking. My arms were like, I couldn't move my arms. Like it was, it was bad. Um, from there, I started speaking to neurologists, endocrinologists, kinesiologists, hematologists, and they're all like, you need to smoke cannabis. You need to ingest cannabis. You need to, you know, for different symptoms. So my Crohn's, my inflammation, my chronic pain. Um, so they're like, yeah, you need to start doing this. I'm like, well, I, I did it when I was younger. Yeah, go ahead. Now, before you get into that, so, so a lot of people don't understand, don't know, but you're, you're in Canada, right? That's correct. So, so this became the legal, this was after they legalized, the whole country legalized and some of the doctors got on, finally got on board because when they figured out that everybody wanted access, they kind of said, okay, we need to figure out what to give it for. So, yeah. so just so that people know, because a lot of states here, it doesn't work that way. Most doctors don't know. You just go, you know, it's still yeah. up in the air. Some are still medical, some are still recreational. So it's a little, little bit different here in the United States, but you guys are full legalized. So for those of you listening, yeah, that's, that's how he guys access from his doctors and saying, hey, listen, they're a little bit more open, a little bit more advanced on that side than we are. And they actually pr provided you with different options that way. Yes. A lot of the doctors 
um, when I ask for support, they don't know too much about the cannabinoid system. Um, I want to say less than 10% easy that I've spoke to actually know about it. Um, they do know it works, but they, they can't endorse it. They can't promote it. So they're like, we have patients going through cancer, Parkinson's and so on and so on, but we don't know about it. <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's sad, but that's a, a failure on the education system. Um, as well uh, as um, the stigma, right? There's such a horrible stigma about it. Yeah, well, that, that um, happens with a lot of the states too. You know, you go from no to yes the next day and all of a sudden everybody goes, yeah, the only way I can get it, you know, is by seeing my doctor. So everybody goes, sees their doctor and the doctor goes, what are you talking about? I don't know, you know, yeah. is it an illegal <laughs> substance? You're not allowed to use that. No, they just pass the law and say we can. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know about it. And then they have this. Well, I just actually read in uh, Tennessee, they're actually doing a restaurant now, which is what I'm working on in Canada. So, yeah, I was like, there we go. It's like people are starting to, to open up to the industry and, and educate themselves. Right. So and that that being said, my family is mostly in police. So, you know, my uncles are CMP, aunts are CMP. Oh, they're retired now, but uh, brothers are CMP, you know, dad's OPP, sister's OPP. And then I was just Jeremy, the, you know, the bouncer, the, the manager of bars. And so they, I got teased a bit, but um, I had just uh, was applying to corrections and border security right when I got sick. So my life has changed. I didn't know what to do. I was being told by doctors, don't plan on living past 60. They're like, the way your body is right now with all your conditions, you can't mix half of these medications without, you know, jeopardizing your life even more. Um, so I was broken down mentally, physically, um, in hospital for, you know, three, four times a week for a year. I was there getting ultrasounds, blood work, needles every day. Like it was horrendous. But while I was there, I'm like, I'm going to uh, utilize my time. And I started reaching out to Health Canada, ministers, MPPs, um, so politicians for <laughs> people in the States. So uh, uh, AGCO, Health Canada. And I started going, what can we do to help people like myself um, now my hospital is also affiliated with a retirement home. So I see a lot of grandma and grandpas out there smoking joints to help with their, <laughs> with their arthritis and Parkinson's and so on. Um, uh, so I approached them and I was like, well, for about you that don't smoke, would you ingest it? If I could say, Hey, here's some chicken breast, here's broccoli, here's your favorite apple pie. Here's what, and everyone was like, that is something I would actually do. And I was like, okay, so there's a market here that I was seeing not being tapped. Um, so from there, I reached out to the premier's office. I was like, what can I do to be taken seriously? They said I had to start a petition, handwritten petition, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, and at the start of COVID. So <laughs> I was locked down. No one wanted to talk to you. No one, it was horrible, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Um, I traveled to Rip Fest, which is like a big thing here in Canada where they go all across Canada, Rip Festivals, music, vendors, all that kind of stuff. Um, I went out there for, I called the police first and I was like, I don't want to get arrested. Can I go and advocate, have a sign? They're like, we don't care. Go ahead. It's cannabis. We, it's legal. We don't care. Right. <laughs> so um, I, um, I showed up there. I sat out there for not even five minutes. I had a sign, a shirt made that said, you want to see cannabis restaurants? Ask to sign my petition. And I, I disinfected the pencils. I just, I turned around and had a lineup, lineup of people going, we need this. We need this. I have Parkinson's. I have, uh, my grandma's going through cancer and it was just story after story. I had over 500 signatures in less than three days. And I was only there for about an hour and a half each day because my stamina isn't the best right now. Um, but 
I was like, oh my God, there's actually a market for this. There's actually someone's missing out on the medical aspect, not even including the recreational, which is even bigger than medicinal. There's only a couple hundred thousand Canadians registered for medicinal here in Canada. Um, now, now that it's tapped into a multi-billion dollar industry, I was like, we can actually grow this into even more. We can actually hit restaurants, tourism, educational platforms, um, you know, spas, stuff like that, if we do it properly. Right. So I started reaching out to ministers and MPPs and asking how to word it properly so I don't get rejected. I got the petition. I called over 100 cannabis retailers in Southern Ontario. I traveled hours and hours and hours throughout Southern Ontario to all these different retailers they held my petition for about a month to three months. And then I went back and I had to repick them up all back up. Um, so in total of the 2000 required by the government, uh, or sorry, not by required, but suggested to have by the government, I have like six, 7,000. Nice. I have a big stack of, of this and I'm one guy. I'm one guy doing this alone. Um, well, with my help of my, my wife and <laughs> family, but uh, doing this alone and I was able to do this, do this. With my story, connecting with people, um, I actually am meeting the Premier's uh, parliamentary assistant um, next two weeks, two weeks from now, I'm meeting him because they notice that they're, they've been waiting for this. They've been waiting for someone to have a, a problem with uh, prescription medication so we can actually change this industry and help people. Um, now, um, what I was telling you about my son, he's five. He was diagnosed with autism um, last month. They put him on prescription medication. I suggested cannabis. They said no. They, they don't know about it. They wanted to try a, a trial medication. Now, I want to say a week or two into it, he started peeing the bed. He started hallucinating. He started seeing people talk to him. He started seeing black dots. Um, uh, the doctor was like, oh, it's not the medication. It, it's, that might be COVID. It might be, you know, it might be a fever. And I was like, it's not that. I'm like, I'm, I know my child. He does not sit here talking to black dots in the corner until he started this medication. Um, she suggested the next day on the 20th, we, um, we upped the dose by five milligrams. So he went to school in the morning, upped the dose, fell asleep at school. I picked him up, brought him home, fed him food. He fell asleep again. He did not wake up again for over 18 hours. Um, we had called an ambulance after three because we couldn't wake him up. Um, we got him to the hospital. They got him the, the counteractive medication for it. Thankfully, it took 12 hours for it to get out of the system, and he woke up. He was on an oxygen tank. They said that if we hadn't got him in that night, he would have been dead, 100% was not going to make it. Um, scariest moment of my life, seeing a five-year-old put into that situation because doctors are either ignorant or uneducated or, you know, they just don't know anything about it. And with autism, there's so many studies supporting CBD with autistic children. Um, not, not even just autism, but like um, seizures and, you know, there's so much more that it actually helps with. Um, so from there, I asked the doctor how this could have happened. The prescribed medication was dosed at a 33% higher cap limit than for a 12 year old. My son's five. So they literally overdosed him on this medication, um, almost costing my son his life. That's terrible. So this hand in hand, I'm like, no, I'm going serious on this. I'm going to start going to podcasts. I'm going to start uh, connecting with government officials. 
and we need to blow this up because I'm not alone. I've had many people come to me about the same similar stories um, with their children and with Crohn's. So now that's where I'm at now is trying to get restaurants approved here in Ontario, uh, events, music festivals, um, private events at your house so you can actually hold people, hire chefs come to your house, cook for you. Um, so I'm working on that right now here in Ontario. That, that, that's, that's, that's sad to hear, especially because coming from my background, from, from my daughter having a, an opiate dependency from a car accident to actually overdosing from opiates on her 27th birthday, I understand wow. exactly where it comes from, from, you know, almost losing a kid to somebody who's lost one. And the reason why I started, you know, getting into the same industry is like, as a firefighter and a father lost his kid who's also lost brothers who thought the the only way out was at the end of a barrel of a gun, yeah. you know, we needed to change something because these medications are just not doing it. And like you said, their biggest answer and most doctors who are uneducated or just ignorant are is just take more of it. Well, yeah. well, that's not the answer. The answer is not take more of something that's not working in the first place. You know, it's, it's find something more relevant. And what I dislike the fact is that a lot of the cannabis studies and data out there, it's used for end of life patients where they're yeah. at the end of life. Well, we need to change, like you said, change that destigmatization in that model and use that plant-based medicine or psychedelics and come up with data showing that it's preventative medicine. It's not yeah. only end of life. Let's use the pharmaceuticals at the end of life because it won't destroy them any more than they already are. Let's try and not get them to where, you know, the end of life is terrible. Let's yeah. find a happy way to we're not just packing more and more pills, like in your case, a pill for this, a pill for that. Uh, you know, I got a pill for this. It gives me a high blood pressure. Now I got to take a high blood pressure pill. It's giving me this and I got to take that because I have bad stool, but now I have bad stool. I got to take this. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> It's not. It's constant. <laughs> it's not. First of all, I'm so sorry to hear about your child. Um, that was the scariest thing I ever went through. I couldn't imagine what you went through. Um, that is like for me with the opioids, that that sucked. Um, it was hard to function most days. Um, I was like I said, I was taking 14. Mind you, I'm 240 pounds. <laughs> you know, I'm a big guy, but um, it, that's still a lot of opioids every day. Um, I started. I actually have nerve uh, damage to the side of my face, neck, and arm. Pretty much my body said, oh, you don't want to feel anything. And my sensory system shut down. So I don't feel much now on my one side of my body. Um, again, opioids. Like, why are we prescribing opioids when there's cannabis that we can actually help? Um, but it, again, it all comes down to, like, like I said, education and stigma. So I've actually reached out to Fanshawe College, Western University, um, and been like, coordinators, we need to talk. And I've been talking to coordinators about developing proper programs. Um, so I'm waiting to hear back from the deans and colleges and universities um, to see if we can actually change this. Um, I reached out to the uh, premier, for, or sorry, premier, sorry, um, the minister of education. So I'm hoping to get a meeting with her um, so we can actually discuss this and start supporting it. Um, it is obviously an industry that's coming. Um, it just, we need to do it properly. If we don't do it properly, it's going to backfire and we're going to be back to square one with tougher rules, tougher restrictions. So it has to be done properly here in Canada. I want to say personal opinion, it was slapped together pretty, pretty poorly <laughs> when it was originally designed. Um, but they're, they're working on it. People are advocating for it. So I'm not even touching that side. Um, I'm just looking at the food industry for people like myself who have issues swallowing pills like my eosilophilic esophagitis 
it, it sucks. Like when I started dating my wife, um, we'd go to family events and I would have like a bite of food and then I'd run to the bathroom and puke for 20 minutes. And then I'd come back out and like, oh, fine. Tears going down my face. Like, let's eat again. Like, and it, it, it's hard. Like you can't swallow food. My Crohn's, if I have the improper food, I'm pooping more blood. I'm in so much pain. Um, I found with ingesting cannabis, it helped with the inflammation of my bowels. Smoking cannabis has helped, um, which again, with my neurologist, she said it will help um, heal my brain um, from having neurons firing. So I was like, wait, what? I was like, you're a neurologist telling me to smoke weed. But back in the day, it was, you know, you you smoke weed and you're going to be like an egg in a frying pan, you know, kind of crap. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and she's like, nope, smoke. She goes, it helps the neurons fire. And I was like, man, the, the amount of information that's out here, we need to, we need to stop this. <laughs> um, and like I said, coming from a family of policing, it was never in my goal to be there, <laughs> to do this. But I realized this is my true calling. Um, the amount of people that have emailed me, came to me. Um, I'm in the grocery store some days and people will be like, you're that, the weed guy from, you know, the news, from global news, from whatever. Um, and they'll, they'll talk to me and there's like, it's changed my, same as your story. Like it's changed my, changed my life. I want to, you know, something happened to my family member, my daughter, myself um, from opioids or from um, prednisone. Um, a lot of, a lot of negative side effects. So with prednisone, it causes blood clots. Right. I have Crohn's, which causes blood clots. I'm on testosterone medication, which causes blood clots. So, and none of the doctors thought to say, Hey, let's check his INR. Let's check his, you know, it's, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. But none of the doctors well. talk because every doctor is a different doctor. You get a doctor for the testosterone. Yeah. You get a doctor for that. You know, it, I went through the same thing when, when I, when, when my daughter was lying in, in, in the bed, you know, and this doctor would come in and they'd have the gamut of doctors going through and saying, hey, you know, this is what's happening. OK, but that doctor says, yeah, but this is happening. But that doctor says, I'm like, OK, yeah. you just need to say it straight and what's going on. We understand that, you know, she's not going to get up from the bed. Stop. Stop trying yeah. to make it as if none of you want to make that decision. I understand it's not. But it's not going to happen. We need to make the decision yeah. to, to remove her. I get that. But we're looking for that one doctor to say, no, chances are highly not going to happen. So I had to make yeah. that decision for our family. But like you said, the, the educational aspect is just so huge because nobody understands the difference. Everybody goes, you know, oh, THC, you're going to get stoned. You're going to, you know, you yeah. drive. And, and it's, it's not only about the levels of THC or CBD. Yeah. It, it's how the, 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 the cultivator grows it. It's the terpene profile. It's the whole profile of the plant. You can get some awesome pain relieving stuff from some low THC, high CBD that has an awesome terpene, you know, potential behind it. And, yeah. and that's what a lot of people got to understand. It's not just about getting high for people like you, for people like me who in the fire service who want to, want to actually act, act, uh, lost the word now, advocate for it. It's that's not about word, us yeah. getting high. It's about us getting better sleep. It, you yeah. know, we have the worst sleep cycles in the world. It's about, mm. you know, I keep telling you. Yeah, I'm a water. <laughs> I literally, my wife hates it. I'm like, yeah, oh, it, I can't get drunk. I'm in so much pain. Exactly. So. It, but it's, I, I mean, I've, I have a CBD company and I started that and it was scary for me in the beginning, especially I, I'm sure I'm going to ask you this question after and tell me about with your family being in policing, coming yeah. out and talking about it because at a fire department, you know, you get drug tested, you're not going to talk about those things. As soon as you talk about those things, you're afraid, okay, you're going out for a drug test. That's it. You're yeah. that's it. So, but as soon as I gave some fellow firefighters, some, you know, no THC, CBD for, for aches and pains who worked out. And next thing you know, they're coming back to me saying, Hey, listen, uh, I was in a dark place. Uh, I, I was hearing voices. I was pissed off a lot. 
And this actually helped me from removing those voices and feeling good. I went, oh my God, we're on to something. And that's how I started even harder into the fire departments and pushing for that. And that's how we decided to actually create in my daughter's name, our own facility that we're building. And you're going to love this out in Costa Rica. And one of the main oh. focuses that we have is that we have a restaurant there. We're doing cannabis infused foods and can and wow. having our own cannabis instead of an alcohol bar, it's going to be like a cannabis yeah. bar with cannabis drinks. So people can understand how they can actually use cannabis in their food instead if they don't want to smoke it so they can still get yeah. the benefit of it. So you're I'm right on the same path as you. I understand it. Yeah. But here's my question to you. When you first started, were you afraid to tell your, your, your friends, your parents that, you, you know, you're going down that road? Was it or was it something because it was legalized? It wasn't a big deal. So for me, when I was uh, so my mom got remarried, uh, we moved back in, into the city from a small town of like 340 people um, up to the big city um, with hundreds of thousands of people. And when I got here, I started connecting with, you know, a bad crew or whatever. And they introduced me at 15 to cannabis and smoking cigarettes. So I had smoked cannabis from when I was 15 and cigarettes until I was 23. Um, my family found out around 17 years old and I had an intervention. <laughs> I, had, I had all that stuff. Um, I ended up getting the ultimatum, stop smoking or leave. I left. Um, I partied hard until I was 23. And I said, you know what? I'm tired of working, you know, 80 hours a week, landscaping, working in the kitchen, doing food, food prep. So I've always been in the kitchen anyways, for the first five years of me working. I was always a line prep guy. I was always the, you know, started off as dishwashing and went up to line prep, then went up to cook and then started going forward. And then um, at 23, I was like, no, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to stop partying. So I started seeing my friends go down the wrong slope, going to jail, going to whatever. I pretty much left everyone. Um, I went back to police foundations. I joined a gym um, and it just, I was, well, clean, if you can say it. <laughs> I can't really say clean, but I stopped using for about eight years. And then when I started having depression and so on, and I was having insomnia where I was sleeping one to two hours a night for years. So I started kind of getting grumpy and depressed and then I slowly went back into cannabis and I didn't really tell my family much, <laughs> but it was for that purpose. I didn't know much about the health aspect of it. I didn't know anything. I just knew it helped me sleep. Right. And then um, when I started, when I started legalizing and then all these health issues started, I was like, okay, no, there's actually a medicinal side of this that is not talked about. Um, so I've told my family, they know obviously all about what I'm doing. They've seen me on, uh, my sister is one of the first people that said, Oh my God, I Googled your name. I've seen you all over, you know, magazines and, and stuff like that. She goes, this is unreal. And I was like, so remember when you gave me that intervention <laughs> when I was younger, I was like, things have changed. Um, I know a lot of people that are now police officers, firefighters, uh, doctors, landscapers, like they smoke, we go to work. Because they're not doing it to get high. They're doing it to actually, you know, improve their quality of life and get medicated and, and work. Um, there's so many people that are actually function, more functional with either CBD or THC or whatever in their system, like myself. Um, I have recently went back to the gym. Um, it feels nice. I didn't miss one day at the gym in over a decade. So then COVID happened. Um Body's changed a bit. <laughs> so I'm trying to get back in it. I cannot do the stuff I used to do with the herniated disc. With um, I have a hole in my heart from when the uh, when the blood clot hit. 
I get tired easy, I get dizzy. So the only time I take opioids now is maybe one or twice a day. Um, other than that, I've switched over to cannabis. So I've gotten rid of all those opioids. Um, my speeches came back. I couldn't pronounce so many words um, while I was on opioids. I just numb jaw, brain fog. Like it was, it was scary. I didn't feel like me, right? So um, now that I'm back on the cannabis, I'm, I'm teaching my mom about CBD, CBG, like all that kind of stuff, right? Um, I even remember um, probably about last spring or last summer, uh, my house flooded. So we were out of my house for 13, 13 weeks. We were living in hotels, living in, and I found a, a nice little bath bomb in your house. And I was like, what is this? What is this? <laughs> and uh, it was, a, a, you know, your stepfather uses it. Your stepfather, I'm like, uh-huh, okay, I see how it is. Like, it's it's just breaking that stigma. Like, I know my mom personally, she she said she tried it once as a kid. Not for her. Tripped out bad, didn't like it, wasn't for her. Um, that being said, I want to say about, Three months ago, I was like, okay, let's try this tripping thing that you like spoke about. And I started researching about it. I'm like, let's get off this sativa indica stuff. I tried um, this one brand that had such a small amount of THC. I think it was like 5%, 6% THC and like 30% CBD. I, I don't think I've ever been more high, like actual high in my life. And I was like, holy smokes. I'm like, I, I've smoked stuff that's 30, you know, 40, never been that high off of so yeah, the terpenes do play a massive role, um, and uh, I would love to see my family do it because my grandma has dementia. I would love to get her to do it. She'll never smoke. She'll it just it's not who she is. But I think we'd be able to get her to try it if we said, look, we put it in your apple pie, we put it in your you know a food that she loves and correlates with to see if it does help her. My grandpa had Parkinson's for over thirty years, and he passed away. Um, what have been two Februarys ago now? He passed away. Uh, so right before I almost passed away, he passed away and from Parkinson's. I was like, man, I wish I knew about this stuff back then. I wish I could have seen my grandpa get up and walk normally again. Um, he was like my father figure growing up. Right. I grew up with him on a, on a chicken farm and then moved into the, in the city. So, um, but yeah, no, it, it impacts so many people's lives that people don't even realize it. And the amount of people going, we need someone like you to stand up and tell your story. Cause we can, can, connect with you we can actually you know have similar stories and we can move forward um i've even had members of um parliament tell me their son has crohn's um, that goes to hospital for you know uh blood work and endoscopies and all that stuff every couple of weeks or some even have a colonoscopy bag i'm like oh, like why why are we not trying cannabis first and the amount of people that go, I hate cannabis, I'll never do it. I'm talking about politicians right now too. Um, I'll never do it, but we do support it for the medical aspect. We do support it for the economy. We do support it for tourism. We do support it for that. I'm like, that's what we need. So it's a, it's a big picture. We need to paint for the politicians. And that's where I keep seeing where most people have failed in the past. Right. It's been a lot of, I just want to get stoned. I want to have, you know, Tommy from his mom's basement cook me like a 500 milligram brownie. Like that's not going to work. <laughs> just, the government does not care about Tommy cooking you a 500 milligram. Um, so when we get the restaurants going, um, which my restaurant is Lay Munchies, and that's what I'm going to open it up as. I've already found a chef. I've already found uh, people to invest. I'm just waiting for, unfortunately, the legislative and regulatory system to pass. So, Right now, I'm aiming for June after the election here in Ontario, and I'm going to be bringing these petitions to over 12 MPPs. 
So I'm breaking this to six, 7,000 petitions up and going, here's like 100 for you, 100 for you, 100 for you. They're going to collectively go up to the House of Commons, stand up, read the petition, and we're going to fight for these changes. Um, then with the Premier's office I'm meeting next month, um, I'm going to be talking about the health aspects and actually start including, which I'm talking to beverage people coming up because I want to create a beverage drink for people like myself. I want to have a beverages with the the BCAs, the the you know vitamin B, vitamin C. But the issue with cannabis is it already has a lot of this stuff. It already has iron. It already has this stuff in it. And I'm like, why can't we use that to do this? Like. I bleed a lot every day, like a lot from when I go to the bathroom. I have to go on iron um, infusions in my bloodstream, take iron pills every day because I'm so tired from losing so much blood. Um, I was like, why can't we just start ingesting cannabis properly and use it for the vitamins and the minerals and, and all that kind of stuff, right? So, uh, but that's usually with raw. So if we can get cooking with raw material, we can actually help people. <laughs> yeah, definitely. If so. we if we use the uh, THCV and the CB, CBDV, you know, those, those yeah. products, which are less intoxicating, but very much higher mm-hmm. in the minerals and vitamins, like you're saying, and have a better anti-inflammatory process, yeah. you know, why not? That That's the, the way to go. But let me ask you this. So you've been in the, the food industry for a while. So do you, have you created your own dishes? Have you already started trying some of them? Have you... What, what? No, I haven't. I have not gotten that. I've been focusing on solely advocating. Um, I'm at the point where I've used pretty much all my savings. <laughs> so I've been starting to look for funding and connecting with people, trying to get funding now to do this. I've actually uh, collaborated with an amazing company out in BC. Um, I have about three weeks to do a lot of work, get this prepared for them so we can get it all T's crossed, dots I, you know, um, prepared for June. So because our, our legislative here is under review. So this is a perfect timing. It could not be a better opportunity to actually do this, to actually change the uh, cannabis legislative so we can actually include proper beverages. Um, mind you, I managed bar security for a couple of years, but I worked bar security for over a decade. I've been stabbed. I've been punched. I've been puked on. I've had guns pulled on me. Uh, I've, I've been, I don't know, pooped on, hit with tree branches, bar stools. You name it, I've had it happen. I always say, how is that legal <laughs> and promoted? Like that is promoted. I, I've ripped women out of men's hands that have date rape, like they, uh, put the drug in, right, the, right. in the drink. And I saw them on camera and I ran out there and grabbed these women from their hands. And I'm like, this is all legal. No one's trying to do anything to stop this. No one's, but that is legalized and promoted and, and billions of dollars from big companies doing this kind of stuff, right? I'm like, so why can't we have a venue where people can go safely and actually have cannabis infused meals, do micro dosing. Um, I'm working with uh, students right now at Western University creating micro infusing technology so we can properly dose people and don't overserve them um, and create, you know, lawsuits. <laughs> people sue coming from a bar industry, people sue for everything. Oh yeah. Uh, um, which is the funniest thing of working at a bar and a hospital. <laughs> I managed the bar on the weekend. I'd go to work on the weekday and I would see someone from the bar and I'm like, what happened to your leg? Like you left the bar fine. <laughs> and like, oh I was drunk, ran down the train track. Oh I was, you know, just doing something <laughs> stupid after. And, and it's funny because I guess see the both aspects of it. But um, no, it's an amazing opportunity. Um, I got to be on um, even Montel Williams podcast. That was my first podcast I ever did. And it was so nerve wracking because I always thought he was the, the conservative guy, but he knows so much about cannabis. He uses cannabis. Like he's such an amazing person to speak with. 
and have in our corner for advocating. Um, and then I saw about you, read about you, and I was like, no, I gotta, gotta contact you as well. <laughs> I'm glad so, you did. Glad you did. So yeah. if, if people wanted to follow you on your journey and actually help you in, in any way possible, how would they do that? Uh, right now I have LinkedIn on, so you can just go Jeremy Smith Cannabis. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also at Munchies Merch 519 um, on Instagram. So that started now. So I'm starting to document my journey, uh, being in the hospital, my petition, people I'm meeting along the way. Um, and then um, I'm working on a website right now. So I'm hoping in the next two to three months we have it launched because it's actually going to be something even bigger than what I'm doing now. <laughs> so it's going to be even bigger. Um, and it's going to be for the U.S. too. So U.S., Canada. Um, I'm also working on trying to get it approved so we can actually do uh, at-home infused meals delivery. So you say, I have Parkinson's, I have Crohn's, I have arthritis. Cool. Well, what meal do you want? You want chicken, broccoli? Well, we'll have chefs do it up and we'll deliver it to your house with fused, infused um, cannabis to it to your specific needs. Um, that's going to help people with mobility, you know, people in wheelchairs, people um, in old age homes, retirement homes, and, and so on. So there's a whole new demographic we can hit with, with this. So you can reach me at Munchies Merch 519 on Instagram or um, Jeremy Smith on, on LinkedIn. That's perfect. I'm going to put those in the show notes and everything else. Jeremy, thank you very much for not only for what you do, but thank you for coming on my show today and telling us your story. It's very inspiring. Yes. And we'll definitely keep in touch because we're both on the same path. So uh, yes. I'm pretty sure we're, we'll, we'll coordinate with something in the future. But thanks again for uh, having taking your time out of your day and talking with us. Appreciate it. I love having you on here and uh, learning more about you. <laughs> great. Thank you. Jerry, have a great weekend. You too. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. If you're still listening to this, that means you gained something out of this episode. So make sure you share it with a friend, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode of The Good Dude.